written on it. <laughs> but uh, as it is now, we're still live on the old Hangout system. Uh, this is Nonly Podcast episode 110. After a couple of weeks break, because I was busy doing something fun, um, it's Christmas Smith sitting back here in Poland, uh, looking forward to uh, talking a bit of football. And here in Bracknell Barcher, it's me, James Barsby. Um, I and Drake's season is well underway now, so at least I can get to watch some matches. And just up the road, just up the M4 from James, it's me, Rob Overfield, sat in West London. Currently enjoying football quite a lot these days. <laughs> it's amazing what a bit of good form, doesn't it? Yeah, you might as well lead with that, Rob. Um, Trinity won uh, the weekend, they beat Telford 3 1. 3 1? 3 I don't know. I was. Uh, what was I doing? I was on a plane uh, when 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 that happened, uh, and basically I've I spent t- the last two weeks uh, in Florida. So I did watch a game of football live. We went to watch the for- uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers play probably the same sort of level that Trinity do. Um, but Libby was very afraid to get to that, wasn't she? She was, that's she was because with social media, she was. You've been before, but not managed to um, well, coincide it with a match. <laughs> Sometimes she hasn't coincided with the match, and one time because it's Florida, um, they have a lightning delay. So basically, I don't, it, it, because it's so flat, and the stadium are usually the biggest things. They stop the games, and two of the women's uh, games um, were stopped, delayed for like an hour or two hours while the electrical storms. And people remember, um, was it just before the uh, was it the World Cup? When England went on tour and everyone was up in arms because, oh, a bit of rain. And they obviously don't know the stats of how many people are killed by this bit of rain and thunderstorm that happens because everywhere's so flat. But, yeah, so we, we got to see that. And that's the only football I've uh, managed to see. But uh, how's the under-8s doing? Are they started, James? Uh, yeah, so we had our first league game at the weekend. Um, it was good, good to get back. We've had a few friends, a couple of tournaments. Um, but to get back to... To league football was good. Uh, it was frustrating when the, everything just went just wide, and it was uh, it was one of those games we lost two 0 in the end. But it was really even game, really hard fought, and um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of promise for the season ahead. Um, the problem we've got this season is uh, that we last season we only it's five aside. So last season we had six players. This season we've got eight. So it, it's it's trying to find that happy medium because it's quite disjointed all the time because. Uh, you know, we're making making several substitutions each quarter, so I've got to get my head around that. But uh, yeah, we'll get there. The, the, the lads are loving it, so uh, onwards and upwards. Looking forward to, to the next game this weekend. And I'm pretty certain that Rob, at the minute, you're looking forward to every game. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Those of you who uh, check the tables throughout the throughout the top four steps will have seen my my club Hampton and Richmond doing very well in the National League South. Um, that that Maidenhead though, they just keep winning as well. They just will not let you get clear, will they? Well, the thing is, on Saturday they didn't win, and it's somebody by the name of Dave Tarpey did not uh, manage to get another goal. It was, it was amazing, but they only managed to draw one-one against St Albans, who we'd gone and kicked in the previous week, and so it's yeah, back to being level. You only drew last midweek, though, didn't you, against Gosport? So. Yeah, so it's a case of it's back to how it was, level on points, and they're top of the table by the goal difference of one. You see, it's, it's a nine, isn't it? Because you, you've way outscored them. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, James, James, Kristen, we've way outscored nearly everybody in the in the top three steps of the, of the, of the pyramid. <laughs> There's only AFC filed who's got more. It's an incredible start to the season for for them in that back in back in the south. Um, I do know it's in the running order here. We've got a little. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is Rob that's put this in promoted team focus. And, yeah, I wonder why he wants to it was, it's, focus on the promoted it's team. There as a, James, it's there as a filler in case you run out of things to say. <laughs> you <laughs> never. <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> I think what we need to do. Sorry, I'm just making a cup of tea. Um, so well, I need to. Well, I need someone to wake me up. Um, so I think what we're going to start with is the story, that the late one that got put in the rundown, which was about violence on the pitch, not between players, um, but between a spectator and a player. So in 70 minutes into the Worthing's home tie against Peace Haven at the uh, 
Alan Mem- Robert Alban Memorial Grounds. A 24-year-old man was arrested on a suspicion of assault. Um, Peacehaven were leading 2-0. Uh, it doesn't actually say whether it was a... Well, he, was, he punched a Worthing United player as he was substituted. So you'd lead that to think that it could be um, a home fan that's done that if he's thought he's played that badly. Because you wouldn't necessarily think if your team was winning 2-0 that you'd want to punch one of the opposition. No, and I think the telling line on the statement is the final one on this um, on the article on the BBC website. The Peacehaven said they will be holding a full in- investigation into the incident, which does sort of suggest that it probably is um, a Peacehaven supporter. I mean, th- I don't think they'll have too many troubles trying to work out who it was because they don't have that many fans. So it'd be very much a case of you know do a you know do an identity parade. Well, well, when we went there, I think they, they mustered about 150. Um, you could do an identity parade along the t- along the touchline of all the fans, and you could probably end up picking up the, the perpetrator of the incident. But this is all we know about the incident. There's nothing else. The police are not saying anything. Um, they're, like I said, they're in the process of doing their investigation. And once that's finished, then the Sussex FA will probably get involved as well. So it's not a nice thing to have to talk about. It's not a nice thing to have to happen. But, you know, why would you want to do that? It just does not make sense, you know. I mean, your, your team's winning. One of the opposition's being, put, being substituted off. And you want to go and punch him. I could understand if you're losing. But if you're winning, what is the point? You're winning the game. You're going through to the next round of the Vars. What's the point? Well, this, this, I mean, it's a, it's a, a shocking incident, but um, I mean, the the upshot of all this could be that you know it's cost his side their place in the in the past because you know they could come down and throw throw a P seven out. As you say, Robert, it's obviously a P seven fan that's done it because mm-hmm. they're they're saying the um, they'll be holding a full investigation. It's it's a, it's a strange one because it's it's at Worthing's ground. Um, and yet it's an away fan that's assaulted a home player. It, 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 and it's a bit it's a bit strange. I'm trying to get my head around that one. I mean, why would you assault a Worthing player when you're winning? Mm. This is this is the one thing I just don't get about this about the incident and the report. You know, it's a case of you've got every chance, as you've said, James, of them being thrown out of the competition. It's possibly uh, a worst case scenario, but. It's possible. I mean, whatever the police investigation decides, whatever the Sussex FA decides, the Sussex FA might just decide to refer it up to Wembley and get the get the full might of the national organisation to investigate and make a decision. Well, they possibly will because it's it's an FA competition. Mm, FA competition. It's not a league match, is it? So no. It's it's the no. it's, it's the big FA, not the county FA. That, uh, yeah. The yeah, it's, it's centra- centralised. Uh, so yeah. you, would, you would imagine immediately it goes to them because it's a an FA competition. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's it's I suppose uh, comes under the banner of failing to con- uh, failing to control your fans or however they were mm-hmm. that that particular charge. But I know, I always think that is a, such a crock of. Um, it is, yeah. It is. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So uh, it's an away game, so we've probably taken five directors to go and uh, watch the game and have a bit of uh, food. And so what they're going to do is go around, like, oh, oh, get back, lads. Don't worry, it's five of us, fifty of you. Yeah. You'll do. Said, what to you be fair, Peter probably only took five fans. <laughs> as Rob said. Um, but I mean, all, like uh, that case, and it's probably one of the directors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all, all joking aside, I mean, it doesn't actually say whether he. It says as he was substituted. So, I mean, as, as he lashed out from from the stand, as he, as he, you know, as he got into the, the like the tunnel bit, as he, as he actually gone on the pitch, it, you know, as he just thrown the punch as he's walked past the, uh, past the stand, it's, I don't know, it's, it's bizarre, it's strange. I just don't get it. No, and uh, unfortunately, I don't know the uh, little ground there at Worthing. Uh, no, it's not one I've been. You've been to it, while you, Rob? But looking at the looking at it, it could quite easily be that he's been subbed. Um, one of the the dugout side appears to be quite close to the pitch. 
where the, where the fans stand. So it could be he's just swung at him as he's walked past. Yeah. But, uh, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's Chuck Newsom. I hope you know they, they they've presumably got him in this twenty-four-year-old man. You know, he, he should be banned from all grounds for life. You can't. You just can't do that. It's deplorable. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around why why you'd do it. You know, I can only assume. That, well, I don't know. I mean, alcohol possibly involved. I don't. He's. I just. I mean, as a peace haven fan, what could a Worthing player do? When you when your team are winning two 0 what could he have done to annoy him to warrant? No, sorry, <laughs> I'm lost on this one. <laughs> I'm I'm lost in any even if his team was losing six 0 and the guy had done a little lap round with his shirt off, bouncing the ball off each shoulder, it still doesn't make it. It's still only a game at the end of the to day. To be fair, to be fair, if the bloke's walking around bouncing the ball off his shoulder doing a lap, I don't think he'd be playing for peace haven. <laughs> <laughs> that would be played for Worthing and that's why that's probably got it but, but what I'm saying is that it's it's one of those things that we've seen horrific things happen on the field between players and everybody says no the FA's got to deal with it well there isn't a magic line there it's not magic it's not It's not that oh it's actually a gladiatorial combatant don't worry kill each other who cares uh, sorry that's a very bad mm. thing to say because I heard today that an uh, Australian rugby player was actually killed during a tackle um, playing rugby league. So, so yeah, it's and, and that's the thing. And it, but it, and so that's where it goes. I, I don't know any more about the incident. Literally, that's all I saw the headline as I was in the lift. It's just strange, isn't it, that it says Peace Haven said they will be holding a full investigation when it it wasn't on their ground. So, but it will be one of their fans it must because be, it must be following fans, following back to the original story. That actually said the guys from Rottingdean, which obviously is the next village up or town up from Peacehaven. So my guess is probably more likely to be one of their fans. Yeah, it must be. And I think I think that's why Peacehaven have, have yeah. said that. I don't know why the BBC have not mm-hmm. taken that because it was part of the statement. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, but. And it's a, I, yeah. I sorry, just I was think just going to sorry, sorry, just just to say, the player was seen by medical staff, and it doesn't sound like he's suffered particularly ill from it. It was other than shock, obviously. Yeah, because I think you would be. I mean, there you would be coming off the field. You losing. know, you've done. Yeah, you're losing. You've you know, you've got a lot of work to be done, and you know, you've been pulled off. Yeah, you're not going to be expecting somebody to either lean over the fence or jump the fence and you know, swing a right at you. That's the last thing you expect, no matter how bad the game is. You know, I, I mean, I suspect he would be, you know, he would just be, he would just be at a standstill, knowing not knowing what the hell had happened. It's just craziness, absolute craziness. It is, and uh, so it's going to see he, the man has been by, uh, bailed for a, a suspicion of assault co- occasioning actual bodily harm. I love these silly terms. Um, and he's been bailed until October <laughs> 3rd, pending further inquiries. Now, peace saving, and potentially there could have even been somebody filming the game as well, uh, which you never know. So the mm. potential, I'm not saying there the will have been, but potentially there the could be somebody filming. I don't know whether the guys do, because it is quite a low, uh, not low level, but it is the first qu- first round qualifying. So both uh, obviously Worthing and Peacehaven are mm. not um, high up the leagues. Um, but it's just a shock. <laughs> when that thing is. Let's, let's move on to other shocks that we've had. Um, I think Hazen Yedding is the one we've got, because... Grounds for improvement. I'm sure that was a show title a few few weeks ago, and we were finally mm-hmm. saying, "Yes, Hayes have made it. They are going back, and they've been told to get out." I don't know West London. <laughs> I'll let one of you two West London living people, uh, or near former West London living people, explain. Explain. I I live in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me what is this, the SkyX Community Stadium? Yeah, this is the so this ground of theirs. They've been going on with this for oh, 
I don't know how many years, four or five years now. Five now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's five yeah. been out of it. And they've all, they've all been set, they've just gone back into it. And no, they've been told that they can't play in there because there's another series of safety improvements that really, really need to be done because they have not yet got a safety certificate for the ground. And with that, they can't, I don't think they're allowed to actually use it to play matches in. And um, to my mind, it just rather begs the question, knowing that this is a necessary part of getting the license for using the ground, why wasn't it actually you know, obtained before they opened the gates to let people in? So now the fans are back you know, to a nomadic existence. They're lucky, and the fact they've gone to Silver Jubilee Park, Hendon, it being 3G, of course, they can play there. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's the day after what Hendon play. But, you know, they shouldn't need to have to do this. And I'm just trying to work out who's managed to make a slip up on this one by not making sure of the ground safety certificate. Puzzling one. Yeah, I'm, like I say, you would, you would have thought they'd have had to have had this safety uh, certificate in place before, before opening for fans. Mm. It's, it's a strange one. I mean, it, it's... Um, Critical work on the new stadium, including various electrical items and other necessary amenities, uh, need to be completed before the relevant authorities will be in a position to grant the relevant safety certificates. But it could be something as simple as that they've got hand dryers in the toilets and they haven't got a qualified electrician. Possibly, yeah. Certificate is perfectly safe, but if you don't have that scrap of paper, but it's not. It's but surely, safe. you know, I mean, yeah, you could be right. It could be something as simple as that. It could be, you know, the kettle. It could be. The, the, you know the hot water dispenser or whatever but that's something that could be done in a day they could have that inspected and passed you know the the, the safety mm. certificate giver outlook could be there while the electrician checks something like that to me it's suggesting mm. something a little a little bigger than that but yeah i mean it could be something pretty trivial but for them to actually have to leave the stadium for um did it say how long is it just one just doesn't say it. Does no te- no date has yet been fixed for return to the ground. Uh, basically, mm. the press release from Hayes and Yeddings says it's a, it will let you know on a game by game basis. Yeah, that's definitely so not a hand dryer or a kettle. It's no, it's, it's something, something bigger, bigger something to, something it's, that's an issue with the infrastructure of the of the stadium itself. I reckon, but what it is, only the only the club know, and the club aren't talking about it. Showers for the ref. <laughs> Do they need them? <laughs> Well, yes, because we had to have work done um, at the North Home and we had to rearrange some of that because the referees' changing rooms were not bigger, as big as they were required. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's an awful situation. They also got spanked 6-1 as well on Saturday, mm. um, in, wherever they put at Hendon. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an awful situation for them, but it's... I think we need to remember because obviously we're criticising them and going on uh, with stuff. Um, but just to put things into perspective, I had to go to Berlin a few weeks ago, and they've spent some like six billion euros building a new airport. And their answer to the the solution of you don't have enough fire suppression equipment and smoke extraction. Oh, we'll have 200 people sitting in high vis with thermoses and little radios shouting fire, go that way. Um, and so <coughs> it's it's understandable that things happen, especially when you we all know the pressures that the smaller clubs are under. And I just feel for them. I know it's the, their own causing of such, <laughs> but it's still just the, you get back, you think finally everything's sorted and then, ah, because the next three games, they're at Chesham, and they're going to play at Beaconsfield, and then they've got Worthing, um, and that's going to have to be played at AFC Hayes. So it's it's a once again they're just destroying the fans. Because how can you plan? It's a bit easier to plan to go ten minutes down the road when you live near the ground than it is to say, oh, uh, uh, okay, where are we playing this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Mm. But there isn't anything else on their website other than that. Um, I mean, it's it's embarrassing for them, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you know, it, as you said, it, 
they've waited so long to do this. They've, they've, they've had problems, you know, it's taken two or three years longer than it was expected for that stadium to open in the first place. Um, so it's, you know, it, it was particularly embarrassing for them this, I think, because, uh, you know, there was such a, a lot of attention when they, when they move back home, um, as there is with any any non-league club when they when they get back home, it's it's a, it's a big big moment for them and for them to now have to go and play elsewhere again, it's it's got to be galling for them and and again for the fans they're the ones that you you know that you really feel sorry for because you know they they finally had their home back and, and now they're on the road again. It's um, hopefully it gets sorted out quick, whatever it is that needs that needs doing. Yeah, it's it's not not good for them uh, at all. And say, just I can't find any more information. This is uh, we're recording this on Monday the twelfth, and this is from a week ago nearly. Uh, it was last the last Tuesday when they announced what had, what had happened. So there's no further updates. So let's see underground works maybe. Uh, there were floodlights were tested. They switched. <laughs> when what are there? So the floodlights were tested back in um, July, and they did more work. And so yeah, it just seems strange that before they actually started the games, you'd have I would have expected them to have had to uh, basically have it sorted that mm. everything was done. And the, all the certificates and everything were in place, and so yeah, it's a uh, it's embarrassment. I think that's like you say, James. That's probably the worst thing about it. It's the embarrassment of the fact that it's not something that couldn't have been avoided. I mean, it it could be. I mean, it, it could be something that's carried. Um, as I say, the stadium's been in the works for for years. It's been like built and half built, and and it's so uh, you could be something. You know, as simple as the electrics are outdated or something like that. You know, because they were put in a few, two or three years ago, and and the standards have moved on in that time. And I don't know, it could be something as simple as that that that's, that's tripped them up. But they must have, they must, they can't have had the safety certificate when they opened the stadium. No, and that, that's what I'm saying. That's so about, it I don't shouldn't understand. have ever opened, should it? It shouldn't have opened. That's 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 the uh, that's the big the big thing that I take mm. from this. Is this it can't suddenly have been withdrawn. It, it just shouldn't. It mustn't mm-hmm. have been issued in the first place. So I'm unless it, unless it was issued with caveats, possibly, and the caveats yeah. haven't been met, which is why it's been withdrawn. Well, then that becomes a, a you know that's then down solely on the shoulders of the club, isn't it? You know, if they, if they've had a deadline to meet and they've failed to do it, then that's that's down to them. There's there's mm. you know no sympathy for them there in that respect if that's what's happened, but. At the moment, yeah, I just feel sorry for the for the fans and the players as well. Because mm, 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 I mean, they're the ones that are going to be hurt most of all. Yeah. You know, you know, they've been, you know, they've been patient. They've, you know, they've waited four years. Yeah. Slept up and down to Maidenhead and working. Yeah. Backwards and forwards, and finally looking forward to a place of their own. They think they've got the new dorm. They've moved back in, and then a few weeks later, they find out uh, there's some. We haven't got the safety certificate, or we haven't got a current one, a valid one. And it must just be, you know, the fans must be thinking, what on earth is going on? I'm sure there's probably quite a few people who are thinking, well, you know, who didn't think of this? Who didn't cons- Who didn't make sure that the work was completed? You know, you would almost assume the worst, and that they might have taken a bit of a chance on it. I hope they didn't, but it's just not good for the club at all, especially when they need all the help they can get at the moment. No, um, definitely. Uh, let's let's move on to Dagenham. Yeah, you might tip for the title. Yeah, your tip for the title. <laughs> who appears their fans are protesting against the ownership, which I love it when that happens. It's a private company. Um, mm. You can protest all you like against it. I think I'm not 100% certain whether it's the, the the manager should come out and say, "Could you stop, please?" or or not, because I don't know enough about the uh, <sighs> problems that they're having down there. But it's always a tough one. Uh, they did win 5-2 the weekend against Solihull, and mm. including hat trick for Oliver Hawkins. But basically, John Still has come out and said, "You're going to disturb my squad's harmony." Yeah, but I mean, first and foremost, John Still's a legend at the club. So if if there's anyone that can 
get away with saying this sort of thing. It, it's, yeah. it's him. You know, the fans the fans love him. They adore him. You know, he he is Dagenham. Um, he is Mr. Dagenham and Redbridge. It's it's his club. Mm. Um, the 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 next thing to say is that he is a very very straight shooter. He will just say it how it is. Um, whether it's you know whether it's going well or whether it's going badly, he will just you know he's a hundred you know he's straight as a, straight as an arrow, isn't he? You know he, he will hundred percent honestly give his opinion, and I, I tend to agree with him um, because all basically all he's saying is, I mean, there's a takeover saga going on. It's um, been going on for for what three months, um, and he's saying you, you can do what you like, but do it when the players aren't there. Do it. So it doesn't affect the, the squad. Do it, you know. Do it after the game. Um, and I'm, you know, I kind of, I kind of agree with that. Whenever, whenever you see fans protesting during the match, it's just, you know, you, mm. you you're just making the atmosphere toxic. The players aren't going to want to play in that. Um, I mean, Premier League players, you can see it affects yeah. them. Um, when we've had it at, at places like Aston Villa and Newcastle, mm-hmm. you know, it affects, mm-hmm. it affects the the players it does yeah. they're only human at the end of the day and yeah. it's no different at this level the players are only human all right they've you know they smashed Solihull 5-2 away which is a phenomenal result but then but that's he, but that's yeah that's what he said though why, yeah, why we're talking we, about we just we just you know, we're not thrashed a good team it. yeah he said we're not talking about the result here we're, we're talking about what's going on in the stands and mm. he's right and the word I mean if I've read this and if I was a Dagenham fan the fact you know there's a there's a little statement at the end of this story in the uh, Barking and Dagenham Post. It says, if we, if we get this sort of thing at home on Tuesday, I'm going to be dead straight and say, I don't know if this club is for me anymore. You know, now if mm. if the fans are reading that and they go to the game on Tuesday knowing that he could well walk, if I was a Dagenham fan, I wouldn't want him to walk. No way. He's the man to get them out of that division. I, they, that's why I have picked Dagenham as my tip for the, for the National League. I've said it. To you on the on the show, didn't I? You know, it's it was down to the manager. It's John Still. Yeah. He he knows Dagenham and Redbridge Football Club, and he knows the National League. Um, and if the fans cause him to walk away, then they don't deserve to go up. In many respects, the fans are in a a, a bit of a I don't know, they're in the between bit of a rock and a hard place in some respects. Well, they are, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, because they want what's best for the club. They you know, it's their club, and as you quite rightly said, John Still could practically walk on water in Dagenham. Uh, you know, he could ask for anything and it was given. But, you know, the fans don't have any real opportunity to actually make a protest that the, the club will notice. Yet, yeah, you do it when the match is over. Well, in that case, the directors and so on have already gone. They, as soon as the final whistle goes, they're already into the hospitality suite and they don't have to look at your protest. Do it before the game. They're still in the hospitality area. They won't come out until the whistle starts and the game's going. Do it, they do it at the ground. Ch- chairman, director, any kind of the club management probably won't be there 95% of the time. So the fans have got to make their point best way they can. And unfortunately, this is the way it's done. We've seen it up and down the league, including teams from the Premier League downwards. And the fans have got a real problem in the fact that they don't want, you know, the possible takeover that might happen. But yet they want what's best for the club. And they want John still to be there and to basically rejuvenate the club and, you know, bring them some success. In some respects, I feel sorry for fans protesting, as quite a few of you will will understand. Uh, I've sort of like on the periphery of a few protests myself over the last couple of years and you know those of you who, who completely understand my my other football team's position so in some respects John still does have a point it's basically a case of back the team you know just back the team if you're going to protest just don't do it when the players can see don't do it where the players can get wind of it and yet the fans want the board to realize the fact that they do not want this takeover to take place and they've got no other way of expressing it. It's a hard position to be in. And to be honest, I hope John still doesn't go. Because, you know, if he brings, you know, takes Dagenham and Redbridge, say, into the playoffs, you know, to go back up into the um, back into the Football League, you know, he could practically write his, you know, name his price at that club. 
and yet he's got to work with all this going on in the background. If he does it, it'll be a big, it'll be a bigger success story as they've ever had, and the fans have got to try and work out in some respects how they're going to make their displeasure known without affecting the players. They're not old experienced hands who've seen it all and done it all. They're young kids, a lot of them. And for them to feel that the fans are not backing them could hurt them even more. I wouldn't want to have to make the choice of how to, how to make my point in this kind of situation. I really wouldn't. It's hard. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, you know, as, as a player, you, you, you want to know that the fans are behind you. So the, the fans, for, from minute one to minute 45, and then from minute 46 to to minute 90 should be 100% mm. behind the club. What they do before the game, mm. well, maybe not before the game because the players will be out warming up, but what they do in that 15-minute half-time period and what they do once the players have left the pitch after giving them a standing ovation for their efforts, then you can protest at the board. You can protest outside the, mm. the ground against the board, you know, once the, yeah. team, you know, once the players have gone. You, you, can't, you can't do it there because... It, it does affect the players. He can't do it. Funnily enough, I'm just reading an, another story here. There was a there's links um, in this story that we're reading as well, and um, that that John still is possibly part of one of the. There seems to be two or three consortiums that are, um, are looking at taking over, and John still could be uh, could be in, in one of those. To um, uh, said to be uh, willing to invest a hundred thousand pounds for for ten percent ownership of the club. So. I mean, he's got a vested interest. If he does walk, even though he's part of one of those consortiums, I mean, that, that could put one of the takeovers mm. in doubt as well. You know, he they need to come out in force tomorrow night, as we record Tuesday night, and they need to they need you know they need to support the players on the pitch first and foremost. They forget what's happening in the boardroom. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm just getting confused. <laughs> what's happening in the boardroom so i was reading that same article james that's why i've been i've just been quiet because i can't find what they were actually protesting against who who they're protesting against taking over the club i think i'm not uh looking i think, at, I think look look looking at, i think it's they looking at the match report from the um non-big paper i think it's somebody by the name of what is it yeah, yeah just let me find it again Glenn Tampling, who is involved in both of the things, he, yeah. he he would be investing if John still invested. He would be investing if John still didn't invest. <laughs> so basically, that mm. guy's going to take over the club. Uh, although, mm. uh, according to the meeting that only took place last Tuesday, um, neither um, basically ne- neither proposal has been recommended to the full and life members over the other at the moment, and. So uh, this is what I'm confused by, is that it seemed to be it, this Tamplin, uh, Glenn Tamplin, which the the protesting against, is either going to invest 625,000 for 50% of it, or if John still becomes in there, he'll invest 600,000 for 60% of it. So it, I think, I'm confused. I think if mem- I think if memory serves. T- the gentleman has had an interest in the club in the past and the fans if I'm wrong didn't really think think he was the best person to be involved with the club anyway I may be wrong on that and I may be digging off a member completely connected with another club but if I remember right and say the fans remember the name from the past and when you know when things were hard uh, and they have been hard for Dagham and Redbridge over the years. Um, and they just didn't want him back. They just didn't feel he was the right person for the club. Uh, unfortunately, the player, the man himself do, seems to disagree. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe wrong. Yeah, it's... Uh, <clears throat> from, from my perspective, I just see it as all these people just want to waste money. <laughs> And well, just give just yeah. just give it just give it to the player uh, to the to the fans like we've seen elsewhere. Mm. It takes mm. time, and I know it's something that's part of the reason you you like the idea, James. But it's just mm. I don't know anybody who makes a lot of money running a football club. No, I know plenty I've, of people I, who lose a lot of money mm-hmm. running a football club. Yeah, after me, I've heard the saying how how to how to make a small fortune running a football club is to start out with a big one. 
That's probably it's, true. It is, and it's the same in most sports, is that because it's too fickle. You've got too few things that you can control, which is part of the reason in America that they've made it so you can control it all. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why it's big business over here, and they do all make a ton of cash. Um, because what they there was, was talking to my relatives who last week about baseball, um, and they say what there is is a, like a luxury tax uh, on. So if you go over the salary cap, if you're a rich club and you go over the salary cap, then they fine you, and then they distribute that money against the people who haven't gone on that. And the local Florida team, before they've got any and played a game, are breaking even. So they do make money because they don't have to spend any money because all these rich clubs further north, like Boston and New York, mm. who've got millions of billions to spend, and they just pay for it. And it's and so this is the thing. It's I I know what you're saying about John Still. It just confuses me that he's part of one of allegedly part of going to be part of one of these and he's coming out and saying let's can we talk about football which is what they should be doing because at the end of the day they've got to get back into the league and that's what mm. they should be concentrating on not diverting the energies across to um, shouting and doing stuff against the players they should be celebrating that okay we're, we're starting to do it. and just just as a little aside we mentioned Lincoln. Um, did anybody actually pick Lincoln? Because I know I was being abusive about them, but I noticed they've actually opened a three-point, uh, uh, two-point gap mm. at the top now, which shows that uh, obviously the the changes that were coming in with getting the guys up, it's uh, seems to be working at the moment for them. But let's move on to some managers who are doing their own movements. Let's start with well, let's 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 put a bit of background in it. After a number of years, you get promoted, and you then get relegated in a very close battle, and now you're sitting second bottom without a win, and you've had four draws. You've had a couple of absolute spankings. Welcome to Altrincham. <laughs> they were beaten 5-0 at the weekend. I think that's the second or third um, time this season they have been beaten by a score of five or more. Mm. I could be wrong, and I'm just trying to find out. Um, so, yeah, they've not had the best of starts. And now let's talk about Jim Harvey going for a little drive uh, over the other side of the uh, M56. Yeah, he's um, he he's, he's been appointed um, because Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Is it Neil Young? Yes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, yes. Who's re- who's resigned and retired uh, from football management after after their start to the season? As you say, it's been a being difficult one to say the least, um, and he, he's an experienced uh, experienced head. He's, he's Jim Harvey. He um, obviously most recently was in charge at, at FC Halifax, um, but couldn't um, couldn't stop them falling falling from the National League. Um, I don't really think you can lay too much at his door. He almost kept them up. I think if he'd have been in charge for a couple of games more, he may well have he may well have kept them up. To be fair. Um, mm. They just kind of ran out of games, really, didn't they, with with Halifax? So, yeah. I think it's a it's a solid appointment. It's a it's a good one. Um, I think at this at this point, it's probably the right appointment because you, they need that old head. They need that experience um, after after such a bad start. Because you know they need to start putting points on the on the table, and it it'll be a, it'll be a really tough job uh, altering them. I mean, you know, the budget won't won't be huge. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna pretty much have to work with what he's got, but he's um, he's a bit of a bit of a legend at Chester, I think, isn't he? He's, um, yeah. Um, so he he uh, he's no strange to that to that side of the Pennines. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a decent appointment. It's a solid one. It's you know it, it should it should see them turn their results around fairly quickly. You would have thought and. 
you know, he's got plenty of time to to get their, their fortunes going in the right direction. Well, he's got um, not eaten tomorrow night, uh, as we record, or as you've listened to this, it'll be tonight, um, 13th, and he... Um, and it's got Trinity at the weekend in the uh, qualifying round of the FA Cup. Um, oh, well, that should be a win then. <laughs> well, we've already, we've already beaten them once this season. So <laughs> it's, it could be... Uh, it could be I'm, just, I'm just going... It's one of... Oh, this is interesting. Um, that There is a, a history. Well, I'm just trying to double-check whether there is actually a history. Um... Neil Young was at Chester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As obviously Harvey was. Uh, as um as as Harvey was who he replaced him at Chester. <laughs> so I was just thinking what do what's Neil Young think? <laughs> just what do I have to do to get rid of this guy? Yeah, so, yeah, I just found it interesting. It's the second time he's been replaced by the same man. Okay, yeah, it's kind of following him around, I think, isn't he? Uh, a bit like the Grim Reaper, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Opposite ends of the. Uh, sorry. I mean, the the, the second the second bottom in the in the uh, National North at the minute, but only two points um, away from safety. And do you say they've got an Eaton tomorrow? Yeah, wow. They have got an Eaton tomorrow. That's going to be a tough one. A six that points after two, after just ten games. Yeah, it's a very eight, tough one. Two points above them. And if, to be fair, if they lose to Nuneaton, then then they start looking at being cut adrift because they'd be at least four points away from safety. So then it starts becoming difficult. So his main thing there will be to get a, a, at least a point from that game. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, with, with, you know, they, they've, they've drawn four and lost six of their 10 games at the minute, letting 29 goals in 10 games. Just shows, you know, they've... They've got it's a massive, massive job he's got on his hands yeah. at the minute. I'm sure Jim Harvey doesn't uh, isn't going to be one that's going to be going to back down from that kind of challenge. But reading actually the feature on this story in the non-league paper, there's actually a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a I don't know a bit of an you might almost call it an unkind twist to it. Um, we know that um, when he left Halifax Town, Jim Harvey, Billy Heath replaced him. Okay, now the story is the fact that Jim Harvey actually found out that Billy Heath was actually going to become the new boss at the Shea a few hours before the FA Trophy final against Grimsby Town, before the final. But he still took that team out knowing what he knew and look at what he did. No, for uh, this is and this is not going to have a go at Halifax because the, you know, it's that's not their style. That's not the way they do things. I think word got through on the grapevine through another source to Harvey, and you know he had to sit down, you know, and sort of get himself ready for that game. And by God, did he do a good job on it? But to find out before the biggest game in your life at the biggest stadium in this country somebody else was going to have your job after the match it's a big man that can, can overcome that and I think the big man that he is he will turn Altrincham round he will make that team believe in itself he will give them the confidence to know that yes we can defend we can stop people scoring and we can get victories in this league they've done it before and I'm sure Jim will do it again I'm sure he will well, that's the thing, and just obviously, all this is really from the fallout of such a stalwart of the club, but Lee Sinnott leaving after five years mm-hmm. in charge, because uh, they only appointed Young in on by the first of May or something, so mm-hmm. he only had a few games in charge. They just got relegated, so he's had a few, not very many games in charge. But obviously, they don't like something. There's something not really dwelled there, and. They've decided it's not working. It's moved on, and you're you're right. Harvey can do it. Uh, it's very similar to the Man United boss last year, who were mm. basically got told, "Win, lose, draw, you go, mate. Don't care what mm. you do." Uh, but <laughs> let's move on. To, yeah, sorry. I mean, just my last last word on that. I think you know, he, he, at the end of the day, he, he was in charge when Halifax went down. I think he, the right was probably on the wall. He probably knew that he that he wasn't gonna wasn't gonna go into this season with Halifax, but. 
yeah, I think he'll he'll turn he'll turn it around at Altrincham. I think ten ten games in, I think is um, you know, he's uh, to be fair, he, you know, Neil Young resigned and retired. He wasn't sacked, but I think the board would have been uh, would have been mm. lining up the crosshairs because uh, ten games is usually the uh, the sort of like the threshold. If you haven't won in that spell, then I think uh, your numbers close to being up, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. So let's move on then to Whitehawk, who have got Robert Richard Hill tomorrow. Who we had congratulate uh, Richard Hill has just been appointed manager of Whitehawk. <laughs> he has uh, he obviously did some pretty good stuff with Eastley, uh, so he's got a pedigree there. Um, going that so it's going to be interesting to see what he does and god oh, his old picture from Watford days he had a lot more hair mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just popped up after admit this is an interesting story because White Talk are not everybody's cup of tea in the National League South there's quite a few clubs that if you happen to mention their name there's one or two of the fans spit on the ground because they really don't like them and it's no secret the fact that uh, it's a club that has been um, funded and supported by quite a rich backer. And to that end, they brought in a, a manager from, from Europe, Pablo Asensio, which obviously hasn't worked because they're third bottom of the National League South. And so they've, you know, said thank you very much, Pablo, but you know, on your bike, and brought in Richard Hill. It's curious that Richard Hill has gone from a club with money. At Eastley, and his next job is a club with money. Way talk. I've just got one question for Richard Hill. Next time, pick a club that's got no money, and then you can see how good a manager you are. Oh, Pep Guardiola. Good point. (laughs) Good point. But the thing is, people will always think this. You know, he's a good manager with money. What kind of manager is he on a budget? So it's a case of. He may well do it at White Talk. I just hope he doesn't do it tomorrow night. <laughs> you know, I just hope I just I, I just hope he, he he doesn't record his first club his first win in charge of the club tomorrow evening. Um, so, but the thing is, you know, I'm sure he's a good manager, but until he actually gets into being charge of a club where he's actually got to do things without without having the backing, there'll always be that little shadow over him to say. Yeah, he can only do it with money. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he does with the way talk. Um, let's hope he can change the club's image, image well, around because it's not a good one. I'm, I'm just looking. At, I'm on Wikipedia, so it's just one of those things you need to take mm. it with a, a pinch of salt sometimes. But according to Wikipedia, the majority of their squad are Brazilian. Now, is that true? Yeah. I don't know if they're exactly Brazilian, but I do know they're not from this country, wherever they're from. <laughs> well, I shall find out tomorrow night. You know. well, I mean, Asensio's Argentinian. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I mean, I said, that's why I said the ah. majority of the... The, the, the former manager, you know, he was, yeah. he was Argentinian, and uh, it does say brought in a, a sizable contingent of players from overseas. But um, I'm wondering, is that why they're struggling? Because... Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? They, they don't, they're probably not, not used to, to that level of football you know they it, mm. it's as Richard Hill says he's um it's you know it's blood and thunder um you kind of you you need to be able to fight at that level in mm. in the terms of you know a dummy fight as in like no. a worthing no. I mean you know you, you need to be able to to stand up for yourself be strong be physical and mm-hmm. you know it might not have suited South American or a large amount of South American players to make up the squad but no. yeah I, I I'm, all, I'm also confused how they got permits for them all. Well, well, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know how it works <laughs> at, at this level, you know, non Well, level. that's the whole point. You're not supposed to be able to get a permit unless you've shown certain level of skill. It's <laughs> always, it's always possible they could have got round it by the fact that possibly the players were uh, nominally employed in this country and they were not full time. Yeah, and that's I think must be the own for the builders. That, that, or something, <laughs> um, you know. But the thing is, you know, the, the, as a club, it could do better, um, and it just basically needs to realise that, you know, sometimes you need to graft to make your way in the world. You can't just say, ah, this is the budget for next year. 
and a lot of the time it'll be twice possibly what a lot of clubs already have to deal with. Um, you know, I mean, it's a lot of clubs in the in the National League South will probably have playing budgets around the you know four thousand pounds a week mark. Who's to say that Whitehawks isn't another fifty percent on top of that? If you've got that kind of budget, you can you can you know bring in the better players, but yet for Whitehawk it hasn't worked. As I said, the third bottom. Um, there's a few, as I said earlier, there's a few clubs that wouldn't shed tears if they were relegated, but it's you know there's definitely some potential in there, but until they actually have to really fight and not have to rely on their backers, people again will have questions. Um, it's natural, it's inevitable in the end. But, you know, we just have to see, you know, what difference Richard Hill makes in the next few weeks. He's got time, there's no transfer window, so he's got an opportunity to, you know, swap and mix and match the squad. So, you know, we shall see. Right. Just before we wrap all this up, we spoke about York City a few weeks ago. Yeah. About Jackie McNamara. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How is he still employed? They've lost again. He, he did get a good win in this. Yeah, but that's about the only one. They got a 1 0 yeah, win at home case, against yeah. Solihull um, on the third. No, but... they, they, they spanked someone. They scored four again. Yeah, they won. No, they beat Solihull 4 0. Um, sorry, so yeah, for some did. reason he's only showing the half time score, yeah, which is really yeah. clever. But oh, yeah, he's, now, he's now gone to 2 0. <laughs> it's like watching the real match here, aren't I? So that's the talk. But they lost, well, I mean, they lost at the weekend to Torquay. And yeah. so, yeah, they may have spanked mm. Solihull the week before, who obviously are finding things tough getting a spanking as well from Dagenham this week. Um, mm. Yeah, but to be fair, to be, I mean, just tangent there for Solihull, I mean, they've only conceded 20 goals in nine games. So, in two of those, they conceded nine. So, the, the, yeah. the, other, the other games, they haven't done too bad. But, yeah, in terms of, in terms of York, I. I mean, they've they've won three and drawn two of their of their nine games. They've got eleven points, seven points away from the from the playoffs. I know it's stupid to talk about the table this early, but you do wonder. You do wonder. I mean, at this point, they are um, they are closer to the relegation zone than the playoff spots, and mm. you, know, you would have mm. thought that the that the board at York would have been expecting them to be challenging for the title, not just the playoffs. So you mm. do just wonder mm. how how long this can go on and. Yeah, you know, we had we had a we had a York fan contributing in the in the live uh, feed, didn't we? Um, apologies, I can't I can't bring his name to mind. Um, no, I can't. Sam. Sam, that was Sam. Sorry, yeah. Um, you know, and if he's he, listening tonight, good evening. Yeah, and he he was um, you know, he wanted him out, and that was what three three four yeah. weeks ago. Well, that's yeah. the thing. He he made the point of contacting us to say, can we talk about them? Because it's not. <sighs> Uh, where is your phone guide? There we go. Well, I've got one in front of me here from the non-league paper. The last six matches they have won twice, which is the same level of performance as a club that is on the verge of the relegation zone, a lot different in size, with a lot less in terms of way of aspiration. North Ferriby United. Look at the contrast. York City, newly relegated out of the Football League. They've got some parachute money. They've got the ground. Should have a new one within a few years. They've got the fans. North Ferriby, got a small ground. You know what it's like, Kristen, at uh, church. Cold. It's cold. It's, t- it's, it's a compact ground. It's very tight. There isn't a massive budget. There's enough of a budget for, you know, for the club to be run, but nothing compared to York City. York City, six points in the last six games. North Ferriby, six points in the last six games. And York City, 13 goals conceded in the last six yeah. games. Yep. Including and an absolute spank in the 6-1 at uh, Gateshead. Yeah. And so, so the fans have got every right to ask, why on earth is he still there? You've got clubs. You've got, admittedly, you've got bigger clubs than York City doing about as bad or worse. Chester, Chester, for example, they've only had one win in the last six. Um, but York City, you know, the fans should be expecting more, and clearly they are, and they're not getting it. It's almost as if the board have, you know, have got their hands tied over McNamara's position. You know, if they're content with this level of performance, three wins after the first ten games, newly relegated with a fairly strong squad, 
then what are the board in it for? I'm sorry, I don't get it. You've right, got, I, I mean, you've got, you've got, you've got, you've, you've got, you've got clubs like, you know, Boreham Wood and Barrow. You know, again, not with a massive budget, but you know, you know, and yet they're, you know, doing okay. And yet the board at York seem to be happy with the situation at the minute. Because if they don't win this weekend and the teams above them do, they're going to be falling. They're going to be going into a bit of freefall. And the soon, the soon, if when that starts. That's it. It'll take a hell of a job to stop. I don't think McNamara is even good enough at this level, despite his pedigree in Scotland, because he had a good record in Scotland for you know in his managerial career. But here, doesn't seem to be able to do it. Right. Yeah. So what's the difference? On on that on that point, we uh, you know we brought his his record in when we talked about it last last time. Mm-hmm. Um, looking on Wikipedia now, it. It now stands that York City has been in charge for 41 games. He's won eight, drawn nine, and lost 24. That's the season. That's the yeah, season. With a, with a win percentage of 19.5. How? How? How is he still there? Yeah, I mean, that's it, 33 it, points. If you take that as 41 league games, yeah, that's 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 33 points. That's rock bottom of any division. Yeah, it is pretty much. And the crazy thing is, the leading scorer. Was someone signed as an afterthought, and he's in his late thirties? I don't know. He's thinking he's even forties, isn't he? Richard Brody. Oh, he's a bit of a legend at York. Yeah, he is. But oh, he's the lead. He's area, the lead anyway. Yeah, he's the leading scorer with five league goals. He's not their first. He, 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 it's no way that Richard Brody should be a first choice striker. He's had his. He's had his time. He's got nothing to prove to anybody. He shouldn't have to be in this position. Actually, yet, he, you're, going, he, you're going to be surprised at this, Rob. Do you know how old he is? No. 29. I've got no sense of time, me. <laughs> it just <laughs> seems, like, seems like he's been at York City for his, all of his life. But the thing is, he was never intended to be in this position. You know, in many respects, he was, he was almost like, I don't know, you've seen it in American sports where a player joins a club for a day and then retires to say that they retired you know, with that club, the favourite club, the club they made the legend with. It was that kind of situation with Brodie. And yet he's turned into the leading scorer. If I was McNamara and I was the fans, I'd be saying, well, if I was the fans first, I would say, what on earth is this squad you've brought in? Two, I'd be wanting to know from the players, what on earth are you doing? And three, I'd be telling Brodie, if I were you, Richard, I'd get out of here because you're going to get relegated. You know, it's just a case of the club is going free fall towards the, the National League North in very short order unless they put their house in order and the directors appear to have no enthusiasm for it whatsoever. No, uh, let's let's move. I don't want to go and dwell on it again. I just thought we'll revisit. <laughs> I'm gonna for next week. We're gonna I'm gonna see if we can find out what happened in that between Spennymore. Uh, remember when Spennymore and Newton um, Newton Aycliffe. Something mm. must have happened now. It's been a couple of months. Hopefully the story's moved on a little bit. We'll be able to revisit that because I don't want to leave some of these stories, especially one like as one as the bigger the, the York situation. But James, I think we've got a nice story. I know Rob found it. Um mm. but I think we have a nice story for Nan finally. Yeah, we certainly do. Um now we no matter what um you know, what level of football you watch um, whether you're diehard non-league or or anything, you know, you cannot fail to be aware of uh, of this young man. Uh, the impact he's made since he's come into into his club's team has been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, we are talking about Marcus Rashford, uh, who was one of the people who was nominated, one of the four people you voted for to be on the cover of FIFA 17. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an you know he's an <coughs> unbelievable. He's an, uh, in terms of like football manager, the the, the game he is the definition of wonder kid. Um, I mean, he, he came from nowhere last season, didn't he, into the into the team because of injuries yeah. at Manchester United. Have uh, scored twice on his debut in the Europa League, scored twice on his debut in the Premier League, and scored a phenomenal winner. Um, I don't watch the Premier League a lot, but I did see his goal in the Manchester derby last season, towards the end of the last season. It, mm. And it was one of my favourite goals of the season. It was. Phenomenal! It was a, it was a finish of a of a much more experienced striker in such a big game. I think it was mm. I can't remember which, whether it was at Old Trafford or at, at Man City, but the way he just rolled his defender and finished it was incredible. But mm. the the whole point of this build up is that 
you have, when you see an interview with him, you just know that he's he's well grounded in that old that old fashioned Manchester United way. Back when the class of ninety two came through, they were all grounded. They had both feet on the ground. They were professional. Yes, and, and they, they were hum- well. and they were humble, and you know they they knew their roots. They knew where they come from, and you get that same impression with with young Mister Rashford. And he's an absolute credit to the mm. club, absolute credit to his parents, absolute credit to himself because. In the week, he went back and watched uh, Baker Borough um, and paid to get in as well. Um, Posted selfies with all the fans. He's got some childhood friends that play for the club. Uh, not play for them. I think they play for the opposition, don't they? Um, and no, you're, no, you're right. First time, no. According to reports, you know, um, they do play for Baker Borough. Okay, because he, he was... Um, oh, yeah, See, yeah. Sorry, I'd, I'd call, I'd say, I'd, I, I, I always call them backup. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no, I yeah, I always used to do as well, and I, you know, I have heard of. I think that I think it is actually pronounced backup, but I've always preferred backup. But mm. didn't, I didn't want to incur the wrath of uh, of the fans. So, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's gone back there to watch watch some old school friends play, and you know, he's posed with posed for photos with with fans and and with the players, uh, you know, and in one fell swoop, he's 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 raised the profile of the club. You know, he's mm-hmm. got the, you know, he's got the national attention, and it's it's just fantastic that that he's mm-hmm. that he's done this. You know, I mean, whether whether he's, he's whether Mourinho knew that he was uh, he, he was doing it was maybe not because he was after training. He he didn't skip anything. He did it. He went and did his training and then went up to watch the game um, with the uh, with the two two friends from school, and so it's. It is one of those things. It's like you say. It's when you watch, forgetting what Salford, what they're doing at Salford, because I know there's a lot of bitterness in the uh, um, National League North. Um, but forgetting what they're doing at Salford, but the class of '92, those lads, what they did for the parents, for the friends, and everybody who got them to where they were. Uh, they didn't forget any of them because, like, uh, <clears throat> Russia has just uh, bought his mama a new house and stuff like that. But I think the, the biggest thing you've got to say that the borough's ground is brilliantly named Caltoot Lane. Mm. <laughs> that is brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? I like that. I like that. Another thing I like is what actually the borough Twitter account said after, you know, the uh, later on that night. Yeah, the players failed to turn up last night, but Marcus Rashford certainly did and created a great buzz around the ground. Kids loved it. To be honest, that just says a lot about what this what this lad's like. He's not forgotten. He played for the club as well. Um, at least I believe he played for the club. I think I think he did. And he has, you know, he's not allowed the fame and the riches to to for, to allow him to forget. That there is more football outside of what he what he now playing, and he went back to have a night watching football and just enjoy it for the game, not because he was taking part, not because of the the you know the the results at the end of it, just to enjoy the game. And to be honest, if we can still produce plays in, they can still do that. Perhaps it's not altogether bad, and there's hope left. And it, it's, worth, it's worth mentioning as well that. 24 hours before that, he he got a hat trick for the yeah. 21s as well. So perfect yeah. timing, you know. It has. He had perfect timing as well because uh, prior to that, he scored against a certain East Yorkshire club. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the but the thing is, being the being the kid, he is. You know, you couldn't you couldn't get angry with him. You know, no matter how you tried, you know, <laughs> he's going to be one of those players that could, you know, could. The sky's the limit, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Look at him; he's 18, and he can do. And look what he's done already. Yeah, I just have to take issue with the fact that 18 is buying his mum an 800,000 pound house. I mean, that's just disgraceful. <laughs> How much money is he? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, brilliant. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, you know, he's a, a star in the making. He's, he's, yeah. he's right there for for the English media to burn him out, and as he gets mm. close to the goal-scoring records for England, and mm. pile the pressure on when he misses one, isn't he? He's, he's, he's the prime candidate to be the next to be the next uh, Rooney that the England press will hang their hat on. Well, this is the thing to, to me. Uh, if I, as horrible as it would say, uh, a lot of people would say that Man United are probably 
financially the biggest uh, club in the world, I'd get out of there. I'll go to America. Well, I'll go to China. That's where the real money is. I was reading some stuff uh, on the plane on the way over this morning, and they've obviously got like 42 million quid for the Hulk and all this sort of thing that they're doing over there. It's big business. Uh, but that's for another podcast because we've spoken about non-league all night. And Rob, you've managed to rant a few times. And uh, <laughs> so where can we see the ranting in writing on the internet? Well, I haven't. I have to hold my hands up. I haven't done any more blog posts recently. I think I must have worn the brain cells out. But I'm actually I'm there with the blog. I'm still posting up on Twitter. Still, you know, still, uh, still working on social media for you know, both the podcast for Hampton and Rich and Borough, and still enjoying football. And um, you know, I'm still out there and still busy. So, underrated sensation, uh, your son has a lot to live up to. Have you been showing him how much uh, that Mark has been spending on his mum? I'm sure that your wife would like some of that, James. Um, but so, where can we read your musings on the internet? Uh, yeah, so it's been uh, been great as ever. Uh, missed it last week when we couldn't record. Um, so it's good to be back. And um, yeah, you can see me uh, at Under the League on Twitter and underdeleague.com. Um, and uh, yeah, again, it's been brilliant. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, let's uh, hope to reconvene next week. And if there's any fans out there that want to come on mm-hmm. to talk about your club, then uh, get in touch. Yeah, please do so. I do apologise. I was stuck. You know what I was saying about these storms? Uh, I was stuck on a boat, uh, or stuck that I couldn't get back to record because of the boat. Um, uh, but you do, we do try to record live on a Monday evening, 8 o'clock UK time. I do try and record wherever I am. Uh, I'm going to be in Poland and Germany uh, over the next two weeks. So <clears throat> you can always uh, catch a show on Twitter at Non League Pod. Uh, but like you say, you could give us a tweet. You want to come on, you want to discuss anything. Um, you could also go over to the website. You can see all of our 110 episodes and a, a few extra specials. Uh, and that's uh, to nonleaguepodcast.co.uk. But uh, really, whatever you've been doing, I thank you for listening.